everybody. Welcome back for one of the most amazing episodes of Way of, Way of the Fist that we have brought to you yet. I'm your co-host, Michael Hagan, and as always, well, actually, no, not as always. Not as always. Not at all as always. Hmm. But I am joined with my amazing co-host, Jonathan CV. but we are here together recording in person. In person. For our, it was our third time, third time now, right? Recording together. I think this, together. Is, this yeah. is our third third episode together. Yeah. And uh, we've actually, <laughs> we, we had planned to record today, mm-hmm. but uh, we actually got a head start yesterday a little bit. A little bit, we did, yeah. This, this, this may be like um, jet lag episode part two, by the way, because we, we both just got off some, some crazy travel. But yeah, we, we started our discussions last night in our, our uh, ride from the airport to Michael's apartment. So we're, go ahead. Yeah, well, we, um, I, I, I had to take a unplanned, unscheduled uh, trip back to the United States. Hmm. And when work booked my tickets back, they accident. They actually booked my flight on the same flight that Jonathan was already scheduled to be on from Seoul here to Taipei. Yeah, serendipitous. Serendipitous. So we yeah. we got to Seoul within twenty minutes, I think, of each other. Yeah, really, really close. As a matter of fact, like I got off the plane and I was like, "Hey, bro, I'm here," and you're like, "Hey, I'm going through security." I came through the line and I was like, "Oh, hey, there you are," and I was yep. waving to you. So yeah. Yeah, so it was pretty awesome. So we yeah. we were in Seoul together last night for about four hours. Yeah, about, just about four hours, yeah. Yeah, before we got on the flight, and then we mm-hmm. got in here. Well, we got in a little around 10-something, but we didn't get to back to the apartment until after midnight. Right, right. So here we are in Taipei. Actually, and this is the second uh, in-person episode that we've had. Our last episode with right. our friends James and Malia, they came to visit on a work trip also. Right. And so uh, Taipei is like... This is the hub now. The, the, the hub the, now. The, the happening spot for uh, podcasting now. Yeah. yeah. So we are, uh, we are super excited to be able to record uh, together. You know, it doesn't happen very often. Like we're at 50 some episodes and this is only the third one. Right. Right. You know, we had some others planned last year, but then some illnesses and other things happened. And so we weren't able to make those happen as much. But yeah, here we are. So you had a long flight. I had a long flight. Yep. Sure did. Yeah, and we still managed to have an amazing karate conversation yesterday. Actually, two, I think, in the Uh, lounge we had one. We had a few, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. we had some good ones in the lounge and then um, in, in the car ride, so... So, all right. Um, but what are you? Why? Why are you here? In I mean, other than to see to hang out with me. And Honestly, how awesome that's it is. that's the only reason I'm here. Actually, I'm, I'm supposed to be going to Okinawa, you know, this weekend and all, all through next week and part of the following week. Uh, but Michael was like, "Hey, if you're coming, you should definitely try to come through Taipei and you know have a layover here or or whatever. Spend a couple of days and." We can hang out. So I was like, uh, let's see if I can swing it. So I made it happen. So I'm here just to see you. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. And uh, in fact, it worked out. I mean, as, as, as all things being equal, because we got in so late last night mm. and I was able to take today off. Right. And so we're actually able to record in person as well as we're going to go out and, 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 and do some cool stuff yeah, out in town today that we 
hadn't planned on being able to do. So it, it silver lining, right? Silver lining. Silver lining. I always have to look at it that way. Yeah. yeah. So you're gonna go to Okinawa, yeah. and you're taking a group from the dojo, right? Yeah, I've got five of my students that are, are coming along. They get there on Saturday, so I'm here, you know, a little bit ahead of them, uh, just to be here, and then I'll meet with them after I get there. And what do you guys have planned? Uh, well, we're gonna do is for all of them. It's their first time going to Okinawa, mm. so this is gonna be like you know that that Okinawa adventure. So we're gonna go to you know different like karate specific sites on island, visit, you know, famous karate masters, haka or you know, tombs. Um, my sensei, he sent me a message a couple weeks ago and he was like, hey, by the way, there's a big karate demonstration happening on the 29th. Your group is participating, so get them ready. Uh, and here's like the kata that we're gonna be doing. So, you know, they've, they've all been working on three kata for presentation uh, and then testing. Uh, every single one who's coming is testing in either karate or koburo, so should be. Okay. Time. And 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 you're going to be testing also, yeah. Possibly, yeah. Um, when I was there earlier this year, um, I had talked to Kancho about it, and he said, "Yeah, in October when you come back, you know, you should you should test." But we'll see if he remembers. I'm sure he'll remember. <laughs> I'm sure he'll remember. So, first group, and how many people did you say? Five. Five people. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to see, to hear your after action report. Yeah. For your five people that have never been to Japan before yeah and Okinawa is their first time on a especially on a karate trip yeah I think it should be a, a really good time as long as they remember that we're there first and foremost for you know karate not yeah for I, I had to like explain to them because they were all kind of getting excited They're like oh we're going to Japan going to Japan I was like well Okinawa's got a little bit of a different culture than like Japan mainland and you know you're not going to see some of the same stuff so like don't you know don't think that you're going to get on a bus and go to like the Ghibli Museum or something like that. I said, yeah. you know, it's just not going to happen. But, yeah. you know, we've got a lot of other cool things that we're going to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's even the, you know, you, you, you've you got to set those expectations. Right. I mean, because I've had that experience with even um, family members. Mm -hmm. I remember one U.S. Open trip. Uh, my parents came down because we hadn't seen them in a couple of years. Mm. And so they wanted to, to come and, and visit well, and they wanted to go do all this other stuff. Right. And I'm there for the tournament. Right. To compete with, you know, myself and, you know, whatever athletes that I had. And even when I wasn't competing, I wanted to be there at the event and talk to, to friends and to hang out with you and do right. do things like that. And so that, that required a little bit of explanation and like, no, Thank you for coming right. very much. It's great to see you, but I'm here for this. Right. You knew that beforehand. And so we, you know, we had to learn, like, you can't, you got to separate that. And even my, not my last, um, my, when was it? Uh, Pre-COVID Okinawa trip. Mm. You know, my wife and daughter went, the first three days I did training and they were able, fortunately, they had a friend on island at the time mm. and they were able to go hang out and do shopping and whatnot. Well, that's good. So yeah. it kind of kept them out. You know, doing their things, so we had you know separate activities. So you could focus days. on what you need to do, yep. and they can still enjoy themselves. Exactly, yeah. exactly. They could go do that, and not, and I'm not worried. You know, feeling bad because they're sitting in a hotel <laughs> or doing something like that. You right. Know, they're they're able to go out, and I'm able to train, and then after that, we went to the, you know, the the uh, aquarium. Right. And we did all the yeah. all the all the tourist things. Right? right. They went to Kuri Island and had the Kuri Island shrimp and things nice. like that. So have you gone up to Korea Island yet and had no, a shrimp? No, I'm I'm super allergic to shrimp, so. Oh, well there yeah. you go then. Do not 
if you're allergic to, to shellfish and to shrimp, do not go to Quarry Island and yeah. eat the shrimp. Just yeah. saying. Just saying. Just saying. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I, like I said, I'm really excited to hear uh, what that trip is like for them. And, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that in a future episode. But uh, for today's topic, we're actually going to talk about... Hey, hold on, Michael. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. all right. Sorry to interject. No, 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 Real no, quick, no, no. It's, it's uh, all you. We, we recently had a um, discussion about strength training. Oh, we did. Yes, yes, yep. yes. And I wanted to make a small addendum to something that got say, uh, stated in the uh, episode. I don't, um, think, I don't even know if that's come out yet. It will have by the time this one airs. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, we were discussing about strength training and, and uh, following a program or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, and Michael actually had said, well, you know, don't necessarily like blindly follow your program, but listen to your body. Uh, take it you know, day by day or whatever. And in that moment, just for the sake of like the flow of the podcast, I just kind of agreed and, and just kept on like going with whatever we were saying, but I actually disagree. And I oh, thought about okay. it. All I right. thought about it after the fact. And it's, if you're failing with your programming, it's probably not the program itself and it's probably not your body, but it is the support systems. Mm -hmm. So you have to take a, a quick look at, are you meeting your macro intake, like for your food intake, your calories, things like that? Are you getting the proper fuel? Are you getting the proper uh, rest? Uh, you know, all, all of these things contribute to that. It's, it's not that you just should ignore programming. Um, if you're having like a bad day, you should take a step back and look at why you're having the bad day because it's not the lifting. It's everything that supports the lifting. So I just wanted to kind of take a step back and like make sure that we're looking at it that a responsible way and and having like a, a idea of complete health rather than one aspect oh man lifting is hard and i'm struggling with it so i'm gonna like give up today uh and take an extra day of rest or whatever when that might not be the thing that you actually need so okay well that's yeah. excellent see i thought we were gonna have like when you said you were gonna disagree with me i thought we were gonna have a chance to have like an argument or no. a discussion a debate and no just, just i just unfortunately i have to i have to agree with your disagreement yeah Oh, yeah. Well, that's horrible. I thought about it after our podcast, too, and I said, yeah. I should have said this. And, yeah. uh, you know, so I just wanted to make sure that I was clarifying that. Don't don't just ignore your programming. Look at look at all the factors. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, can't complain with that one. That is a very good observation. Yeah. And because uh, we didn't really, we didn't really get into that. Not very much. Not yeah. very much yeah. on, on the podcast. So, okay. Are, are you ready now? Yeah, now, now we can okay. go. Now, now we can, can go. go. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> so... Uh, well, by the time this airs, it will have been probably a month or so ago. Um, but the International Olympic Committee just announced the finalized the, the new additions for the sports that are going to be in the Los Angeles 2028 Summer Olympics. Hmm. And despite the push, if you will, by uh, the WKF and the U.S. Uh, National Karate Federation to have karate put back into the Olympics, uh, it was not selected. Right. And um, as expected, there was a significant amount of wailing and gnashing of teeth and consternation amongst the, at least on the, the, the WKF side of the karate community. Right. And so we kind of wanted to, when I say we, it was kind of more me wanted to kind of talk about this a little bit and kind of give our thoughts because we have, I think we have slightly differing 
perspectives on I, this I think a little so. bit. I yeah. mean, we have some overlap, but I think we have slightly differing perspectives. And um, so I wanted to kind of give that thought. So just for our listeners, back when the Tokyo Olympics, the 2020, actually completed in 2021, mm-hmm. Olympics were announced, I think, in 2015. Well, I mean, when the sports and stuff. Right. It was it was announced that karate would be in the Olympics. I think it was announced in 2015. Right. And then the qualification period started in 2018. And um, what they had done was, because it was being hosted hosted in Japan, the WKF and the Japanese Federation were able to get karate uh, added to the list. And they they had, but they had to modify things a little bit. Right. They were restricted by the number of athletes to a total of 80. So they actually cut weight classes and combined weight classes so that there were only three weight classes for kumite, male and female, and then male and female kata. Right. And each category was uh, capped at 10, 10 athletes. With Japan having a guaranteed spot for each division. division. Right. Exactly. So that left the rest of the world to fight over basically to compete for who is going to get the remaining spots the remaining spots in in each division and so that that happened karate was in there the next summer olympics will be next year 2024 in paris Mm -hmm. and karate was not selected in paris and so they they regrouped and they tried to go for the next u.s olympics which is 2028 and get that in, and, and it was ultimately unsuccessful. Right. So what what are you, what are you, what do you think about karate not? Because now it looks like I mean it's going to be very difficult to get it in the Olympics ever again after yeah two unsuccessful attempts. Yeah. Um, so you know when when it was first announced, I saw kind of I I kind of stopped looking at a lot of the WKF pages. Um, about a year and a half ago, I, I, I look at them less and less as I've been focusing more and more on the development of my you know dojo and traditional karate as a, uh, a method more than sport. I still obviously participate in the sport. I competed this year. I've got students that compete. And obviously, I'm still friends with a lot of people who compete at the WKF level. But I saw kind of a, a collective sigh of relief from a lot of people that did not want karate to go back to the Olympics. And these were people that were excited about karate being in the Olympics in 2020. And now they, they saw what happened and, you know, the, uh, the the knockout in the minus 75 division leading to the person who got knocked out getting gold and um, <clears throat> issues with the slow motion kata, you know, and scoring for kumite just being such a bad visual for karate as a you know uh, spotlight there um i think a lot of people are happy about that but then we look at the sport community and we're looking at the athletes who have been you know just putting in work and continuing to travel globally month after month and um you know sacrificing their their time and their bodies day in and day out for that pursuit of olympic glory you know i feel for them i really 
because I, I went through that to an extent, you know, trying to get that. And I, I understand what it takes to get there and, you know, that, that drive and that desire. And then just to have that ripped out from underneath you, you know, it's kind of, kind of devastating, I think. So I really, really feel for my friends who have been continuing that. Um, but for me personally, I, I, I'm less invested in it now than I ever was prior. Um, for, for all the reasons that I just said, you know, I, I don't think that WKF has had the opportunity to regroup and look at the successes and failures of the 2020 Olympics and try to rectify or remedy the failures. Instead, they just were told, hey, karate is not going to be in for Paris. And instead of trying to like adjust to make karate as a sport worthy of being an Olympic sport, they've just kind of like, you know, started spinning their wheels to try to get karate back into the Olympics and then hope they can fix it along the way. And that's, I think that's the biggest problem is, you know, we're not going to fix it along the way. We need to actually have a moment of pause, reflect and adjust, make the necessary adjustments, look at other successes that are in the Olympics. Why are they successful? And, you know, start applying those same lessons to our sport. Yeah, I, I, I have very similar thoughts. Um, I, I'm going to go and say that I am definitely in the camp that was relieved yeah. that it was not in the the Olympics anymore. It was, it was not chosen. I think the decision for it to not be Paris happened very soon. It was either before. It was before. Um, 2020, 2021 yeah. technically exactly. actually happened. Right. Yeah. So we kind of knew that, that that going in. But then there was the transition, the shift to, okay, well, we're going to try for 2028. Mm -hmm. And my thoughts on karate in the Olympics, I think have definitely been on a kind of a pendulum or there's been a shift. Because beforehand, before the, 20, before the Olympics... Mm -hmm. I was very, I was very excited. Right. You know, I, I thought it was, I thought it was a really good, good thing. But, you know, I did, you know, on, on, on my Apex YouTube, I did a, a, like a 30 minute video leading up to the Olympics. Right. And then I did an after action video um, after the Olympics and kind of my thoughts. And some of the things that I saw in the lead up, as well as at the actual Olympics in the qualification period and then how the actual Olympics went really changed my perspective hmm. on it. And part of that is, you know, again, we've discussed this on the podcast, Jonathan and I, and right now are kind of in a very similar spot in our personal karate journey. We're definitely more focused on non-competitive aspects right in fact i i would even go so far like for me i have more interest in doing kobodo now right in my personal training and michael's training than i do for karate like if you know just an example if i if i set aside an hour to train all things being equal you know now that i have my bow and that they've arrived and everything like that a lot of times the vast majority of my training time will be bow or sai and then the last the last little bit I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do a, a couple of empty hand kata. Let me work on, you know, Tomari Basai or whatever today. 
but the majority of my time I will actually spend swinging my bow and things like that. Yeah. And that's kind of where Michael is really focusing his his time right now, his, his energy. So I've definitely, you know, I still have athletes that I'm training and working with on the competitive side. I mean, but even like, like you said, I have competed this year. I competed in the Paris Open mm-hmm. in February, February or January, yeah. January. Yeah. Um, and that was just for, for fun, right? I went there with, with one of our athletes and, and he was competing. He's like, well, I'm here. I might as well do it. Um, so it's not, it's not that I'm not, I'm not against competing, and I'm absolutely for maintaining the Olympic, I'm sorry, the World Championships and Pan American Championships and Pan American Games mm-hmm. or the, the regional games that they have. But what, the, what I saw through the Olympics, a couple of things, for me, the primary points were the qualification period was overly excessive. Yeah. And it was limited by the, or the constraint of only having essentially nine available other positions outside that one designated for Japan meant that if you were not already in the top 10 on the day, top 10 in the WKF rankings on the day that the qualification period started, you had a very slim chance of making it. Yeah. And, you know, Ariel being that example. He, yeah, he, he was not even on the ranking boards. As a matter of fact, I think prior to the first qualification event, he wasn't even competing as a senior yet. He, right. he only had junior points. And he was not even in, able to compete in Premier League, I think. Correct. Yeah, he went to, I think it was like three Series A's. Uh, and then he converted all of his junior points to senior points. And that gave him a boost right. uh, in, into that top 100 category. Right. And he was, I know for a fact that like when the Premier Leagues were dropping, like all of those athletes that competed, they because there was a, a limited number of people that could go to Premier Leagues at that point in time too. So he was like the day that registration was open, he had to be like on it to make sure that he secured his spot to be able to go and compete, you know, and then find sponsorships and funding and everything like that to be able to afford traveling all over the world. Right. Because at that point in time, our federation wasn't paying for him to go do anything. Right. And so that's where, like, he he was able to compete in the Olympics. The only let me put that the way the reason that he was able to be qualified to be able to go to the Paris qualifying event, the tournament to decide the last few spots, mm-hmm. was because he had won Pan American. If he had not gotten gold in Pan American, he would not have been able to leapfrog leapfrog Gakuji, right? Because Gakuji was twelfth. Yeah. And that put Ariel at tenth, getting that that bronze or that that gold medal at Pan American. And so he's kind of like one of the the shining examples of that was actually able to. And Gakuji would have gone by slogging. Yeah. And so for those of us, for those of the listeners who who haven't to qualify, they had to to earn points. There was a qualifying event almost every month mm-hmm. in a different country. From 2018 to 2020. Right. So athletes had to compete every month in a different country at a different event to try and gain points to be able to r- get higher in the rankings to mm-hmm. be able to to get to those those qualification spots. And like you mentioned, at the time, our federation and the U.S. Olympic Committee were only giving, were only giving a stipend to Sakura and Tom. Right. Because those were the two that were high enough in the rankings that looked like they should qualify 
And they did. And they did, yeah. And they did. But everybody else from the United States who was trying was all self-funded. Yeah. And so so the, 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 the grueling qualification period, you know, every sport has a different qualification standard to get the Olympics. But I can't think of another example. Tom, Tom missed the qualification as well. Um, he was a last-minute addition after, I'm trying to remember who it was, but somebody got... Somebody failed a drug test. Wasn't that Brian Ayer? Was that Ayer? I think that was Ayer. Oh, that might have been Ayer. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, that was Ayer, his pot. The, the actual No, 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 candidate. it was Tom. It was Tom. Was it? Yeah, it was Tom. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ayer, Ayer had his spot at, for plus 84. Oh, okay. For plus, yeah, it was Tom. Oh, okay, well then I had that backwards. Yeah. Um, so the, but, but back to the qualification period, you know, every sport is different, but... I felt that it was exceedingly excessive that, you know, I don't, I can't think of another sport that has a two year long qualification period that demands that their athletes compete every month. Right. In a different country, you know, all over the world trying to, to, to chase that down. So, um, the other part, so I, you know, I felt, I feel that if it was going to be in the Olympics, that that was something that had to be revised yeah 100%. Like that, that was just not sustainable yeah you know i mean if you look at potentially three thousand dollars a trip mm-hmm. between airfare lodging food things like that you're easily talking fifty thousand dollars over the course of two years if not more on the hopes that you're going to qualify right and yeah right just just to try and grind and and get points the other part that really was was the actual execution of the Olympics themselves, you know, and this is not so much on the well, there is one aspect on the athletes, and that is, you know, I, I can't I can't speak for the Kumite side, but one thing I saw on Kata was almost what I would call a bastardization of Kata mm. because the everybody had that drive to get to the Olympics. Everybody was willing to do pretty much whatever. In fact, there were athletes that changed kata, changed directions of movements and changed things. In the middle, you know, they would just, oh, well, I didn't like doing it that way, so I'm going to change this way. And the way the rules were written, that was allowed. Right. And then the next month on, you know, that, that would go out on YouTube from the, from that competition, that Premier League or whatever, and then at the next month's Series A or the next month's Premier League, you, you know, that became the way. Other people were copying what those athletes were doing, and from a from a karate perspective, I really dislike that. Mm. You know that that changing of kata and whatnot just to adapt it to kata or right. to to competition, to right to sport. And I'm not even talking about well, they move their foot this way or they do whatever. Like I'm this is complete changing directions or turning instead of turning to the right they turn to the left and then kind of mismatch things together um and so i i didn't really like that but that ties in with the other part is the the judging right the rules and the judging you know uh the 2020 olympics was the first time that karate was on the world stage Mm -hmm. visible by everybody who just turned on you know nbc in the united states and they're sitting there watching it in prime time in high definition, super slow motion. And for me, there was a lot of what I would call judging errors, refereeing errors, 
that were highlighted, that, that happen everywhere, but now they're being highlighted in slow motion at the Olympics. And I think, like you mentioned, WKF was not prepared for that. They were not. They're not prepared. Well, <clears throat> it's not like they didn't have the opportunity to be prepared. I mean, everybody has watched the Olympics, you know, mm-hmm. for, for forever. So they know the standard of what is to be expected. It, you know, if a match happens, you know there's always going to be an instant replay. Right. So how come we're not having a conversation with athletes being like, look at this, you know, doing replays in the dojo, being like, you know, you're, you're not in the scoreable range for that hook kick. You're not pulling your hand in hikite in the kata. You know, you're trying to move through it too fast. And when you see that high def slow-mo, it gets highlighted. And all of the problems that everybody discusses with sport karate get infinitely exacerbated immediately. Right. You know, and, and that, that was that was a huge problem. Yeah, and, and you know, there, you know, you, you mentioned looking at it from the, the athlete's perspective, and I look at it from the judging perspective mm-hmm. of the same the same thing could be said for all of the judges, you know, you see I give I give the judges a little bit more grace because yeah. sometimes these athletes are moving pretty quickly and it's right. hard it's hard to pick up some of that stuff. I mean, you, you should be as in tune as you can be. But you know, maybe you're looking at a different part of the body in the while they're moving or whatever. You know, you can overlook things, right? right. But you're as an athlete, your job is to do it. Your yeah. job is your job is to be the one who's performing it mm-hmm. at the highest correct level. Right. At the Olympics. So you should be under much more scrutiny, I think. I don't know, man. I, I, I go back to, you know, because, you know, you mentioned the, 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 the under 75. And this, the example that I gave you in the car last night was the very first scoring technique was the Uramawashi. Yeah. That, you know, all four flags went up mm-hmm. for Ippon. And when they showed it in review, it's clearly obvious that the foot didn't even get to the target area. See, and that's another another big issue is the angle of viewing that we have for uh, our referees. Yeah. They're sitting, right? right? And so they're actually, in, in that situation, they're looking up. Uh, so from their perspective, that foot probably seemed higher than it was than in it reality. Was in reality. Right. So for them to throw their flags is not a big deal but when you go back and see the cameras the cameras aren't sitting at judge level or referee right. level they're actually you know two or three feet higher than where the referee is sitting so they have that straight on perspective or even looking down a little or bit. even looking down so yeah. when you're you see it on that high def replay you're like what that was clearly you know out of you know out of the scorable zone or whatever and and we see this all the time these are arguments that we have at every tournament you know right. people in the stands or people on the sidelines are like what are you calling right. and judges are like i'm just calling it as i see it right right yeah well and so i mean i i i agree that both from an athlete more could have been done yeah. to prepare everybody yeah. for that especially because they were kind of thrown out there on the world stage mm-hmm. and you know had had, you know, you can go on YouTube and you can watch Premier League and things like that on the WKF channel and whatnot. But being the first time that karate was there, you know, in prime time mm-hmm. on cable tele- or on, 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 on television for the world to see. Yeah. You know, and it kind of ties in with the next part. And this is more of a kata thing. I, I think it's harder to be in kumite. But we still have in 
competitive karate, people winning because of who they are. Sure. Not how they actually perform. Yeah. And, you know, my example from the Olympics was uh, Damien and Ariel. Yeah. And what really exacerbated it was they went in in order Ariel the same kata together so yeah. yep Damien competed and then Ariel competed mm-hmm. and so Ariel followed Damien every round right and as their their kata selection was actually the exact same right every single round and so and yet so 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 when you're looking at it you see Ariel who's much younger faster stronger mm-hmm. performing and yet Damien's score was a point higher, a full point higher every single round. And then... And the conversation leading up to the Olympics, even between like, you know, the national level referees, athletes, uh, social media, whatever, was for male kata, you were going to see Damien and Kuna in the finals. Right. That was, that was a discussion that was already had, like it had already been set in stone. Right they're going to be in the finals. Right. Because they have been for the past two years. Longer, actually. Longer, longer. yeah. yeah. You know, the last world championships, Mm -hmm. it had been Damien and Kuna, you know, one and two, or Kuna and Damien, one and two, forever. And almost er almost every Premier League and Series A and everything, every event that they went to. And so, like you said, it was almost that it was preordained. Right. And so it wasn't, about Damien's performance. Mm-hmm. And so I firmly I firmly believe that it should have been Ariel in the finals against Kuno. 100%. Oh, I agree. Because uh, they did... Um, when, they, when they went, Damien and Ariel went, they both did Kurumfa, right? Kurumfa, I think, Anan and Anandai. I think. I know their, 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 their semifinal match was Anandai, I think. Their semifinal match was Anandai. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought Ariel should have scored higher. Absolutely. In that match. It was a semifinal right. match. I was yeah. like, man, he had that one for sure. Right. I was putting money on it, and yeah, yeah I lost my bet. Yeah. Well, and then, it, and then so Damien went to the finals. Ariel went to the bronze medal match to face Antonio Diaz, who he had actually beaten in PKF. P- PKF. Yeah. And so... Again, looking at that competitively, Antonio Diaz was a PKF gold medalist for 15 years straight. And Antonio Diaz is still currently the most decorated uh, karate athlete of all time. Right. For uh, all medals won at uh, WKF events and higher. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, he was he's a two-time WKF world champion. Mm-hmm. 15, I think it's 15, Yeah. straight gold medalist. That's insane. In PKF. PKF, yeah. And so when Ariel beat him, the it was first a huge upset. It was a huge upset. Yeah. And so when it got to the Olympics, and Ariel didn't go to the finals, my big my my fear as I was watching them compete was that they were going to give Antonio Diaz the bronze medal because he's Antonio Diaz. Because he's Antonio Diaz, and he's the most decorated and. You know, he was going to retire in yeah, he, 2015. He had, well, he, and, and just prior to the Olympics, too, he was like, this is it. Like, I'm going, this is going to be my high note. I'm going out. Right. I'm going to be done after the Olympics. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, when they announced in 2015 that karate was going to be in the Olympics, mm-hmm. he changed his mind and did not retire. Kept competing. Yep. 
while like supporting a family. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that was my fear because we see that even still so much that it's who you are versus what you do right. in karate, in, in kata at least. It's much harder to do that in, in kumite. Hmm. But WKF has allowed that to continue. And that and that was one of the things that was highlighted in the Olympics because well, it was the same for female kata too. Yes, as far as the finals go. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think Sandra, Sandra was clearly the winner in that one. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, are you talking about Grace not making it to the finals or? Yeah, I think Grace could have also been in the finals. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, because it was like, like I, I see what you mean. It was it was yeah. Sandra versus Shimizu, Shimizu Kyo, yeah. right? They they had the rivalry for similar to Damien and yeah. Kuna. Yeah. yeah, which is interesting, you know, because here's the other part. You know, they talk about karate and politics. Both of those are Spain which, and Japan. Sp Spain, well, but Spain and where? Oh, see here, where where is the WKF president from again? Oh, that's right. Spain. Spain. Right. So not to take, you know, and so that's, you know, whether the athletes, you know, that, that that's, you know, something that is undoubtedly there in the judge's perspective. Yeah. You know, I'm not putting that on the athletes because they are out there training and performing. Mm -hmm. But um, so that, that was something that, again, you're seeing. And, and so when you're talking about the Olympics, you can't focus these events on the person who understands karate, mm -hmm. right? You have to look at that person who has no knowledge of karate and they're sitting down on the couch to watch the Summer Olympics yeah. and the karate event comes on. And, you know, anybody who understands any physical sport can sit there and look and go, well, that guy was faster than that guy. Right. Well, why did that guy win? You know, and you have to be able to make it readily apparent mm -hmm. to the casual viewer who is not a karate person who the winner and the loser is. And I think that ties in also with your, you know, the minus 75. I actually don't have any problem with the decision mm -hmm. other than maybe that maybe the guy could have gotten Mubobi, right? I mean, there was the debate about that. But if setting that aside, like the rules are the rules. And so well, I agree with you. Uh, like, as far as like the rules go, like I understand why it happened. I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, those are the right. rules. So that's what happened. It just the way, looks bad, right? Exactly, and that yeah. goes in with my point of yeah. the casual viewer because when they see, well, since 1968 we've had judo, mm -hmm. since 1988 we've had taekwondo in taekwondo, the Olympics, right. and whatever your thoughts about you know taekwondo and Olympics and the scoring and the electronic pads and whatever, but it's been in there for. 25, oh, 35 years. Mm -hmm. It's a staple. It's, it's a, a staple, staple of the Olympics, yeah. right? And so when the casual viewer who sits down and goes, oh, judo, I get it. They're trying to throw each other. Mm -hmm. Oh, taekwondo, they're kicking each other. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, well, why is karate different? Right. There, and when those type of things happen, and then the, the KO, for example, and it being the last match, the gold medal match, for that to happen, the casual viewer is not going to understand the nuance. Right. You know, and that ties in. So, 
that's kind of those those are some of the reasons why I am I don't know if happy is not the right word, but I'm somewhat relieved, relieved yeah. that karate is not in the Olympics anymore. Mm-hmm. And I know this may be in may not be a popular opinion, you know, among our friends or, you know, the sporting you know, competitive karate community. Because like we, we, you know, we both have athletes yep. who that was like a goal, mm-hmm. and now that's not a not not an option anymore. Um, you know, maybe maybe someday, uh, if things changed and they decided to, to to make some revisions and whatnot, it might be again. But Michael feels that that's it's probably for the best yeah. as of right now. I think it's definitely necessary, but. Like I said kind of in the beginning, I feel for the athletes who have continued to make that their life, right? Because, you know, now what? You know, they've, they've from, you know, a couple of years ago to this point, they've had the next eight years, uh, you know, or the next six years, uh, like kind of scheduled out for competition and lifestyle and training and, and everything. And now they've got to, you know change well courses i mean i i I would differ there as i mean because we still have world championships we still have pan american championships i mean because really only 10 people now can say that they've got the olympics right but but even with that though it doesn't require the same it it doesn't require the same effort to be a world champion yeah it it does you know you've got to be the best of the best and everything but you don't even have to go to one single premier league to go to a world championship well you don't have to go to one single series a you don't have to go to one single you have to qualify within your country right and you can okay. go so i'm glad you brought that up yeah because what's the point of premier league and series a i mean we didn't when i was an athlete on the national team we didn't have that right i mean it, it it's nice that it, there's the opportunity for international competition yes like at any point in you know the year uh, but as far as like going towards world championships, yeah, there is nothing. Well, so here, okay. I mean, yeah, they don't, they are not necessary to go to the world championships. Mm-hmm. And I even question now because after the Olympics and especially now, mm-hmm. I mean, we saw, we saw changes in premier league structure right after the Olympics mm-hmm. and it become, became much more selective. And in fact, the, um, the conduct of the, the the matches has become di- was is different now mm-hmm. than it was during the qualification period, and so now you have to be within the top thirty two, thirty six, something like that. I haven't checked in a while. I don't yeah, know. I don't yeah. remember. But to to even qualify, you have to be much higher in the WKF ranking right. than it used to be. Before you have to be in the hundred. Well, oh no no, no I'm no, sorry. Prior, you so, can still so be it, in the hundred. Well, it, it, so okay, so when Premier Leagues happened, you had to be top one hundred, and then they they condensed it down, and you had to be uh, top. Now I don't remember. Maybe top. Maybe it was top thirty. And, but they would take anybody who's in the top 50 after the like pre-round. Right. And then there was like, an, the, like they had their, um, uh, like their country association round. Right. Right. So, but yeah. now it, what I, okay, but that's correct. Yeah. But also now like Premier League is capped. Mm-hmm. The number of participants right. is capped at like 32 or something like that. Yeah. And so not your, your ranking position will determine whether you're eligible to compete but then even then if you're not if you don't 
snag a spot a spot mm-hmm. you you're not able to compete um so i i don't know because i you know when i competed we had the world championships and we had pkf and yeah you had your continental yeah the con- yeah. the continental championships the world championships and then because world championships is every two years mm-hmm. on the off year not every year but on the off year they often had uh the world cup right and so it was kind of so you're you're i, I do agree that now we have a much uh international competition but that's all at the individual level it's at the individual level, individual right. level but know. i mean i i mean if you're in the premier league level like trying to become a premier league champion in itself is that that comes with a lot of weight you know mm-hmm. and, and i think that if you're going to you know do that that's that i think if at the end of the season you are premier league champion that's grand you, winner that's a grand winner you're 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 like world champion caliber yeah absolutely you know you've, I mean, you've got to be well and that's where it's kind of a, a, a double-edged thing or, or maybe not double-edged is not the right word you know, you you by the time you're at that level, mm-hmm. you are already on your national team. Correct. You right, are. and so yeah. you are probably one of several athletes that are in the contention for going to the world championships yes. or your continental championships. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, so I, I I am I am fine like with that, and maybe it's because. That whole Premier League and Series A structure, Karate One structure, did not exist when I was an athlete. Mm. So I'm much less involved in, or much less emotionally involved mm. in, like, what's the point now? Is almost how I feel about that. Well, I, I feel the same way though. I mean, if you're if the Olympics aren't a thing, then what is the point? Other than, you know, if you're preparing to be a world champion you definitely need to have international experience. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, because that also, you know, one, one of the things from a from a competitive side that I do agree with them being there is, is that it gives you that exposure, mm-hmm. right? If, you're, if your only competitive experience trying to get on your national team is when you show up for nationals and you're in that elite division at nationals and you haven't been on the, comp- the mm-hmm. tatami in a high-level event, in a year since the last nationals or us open for example right and that's only two two events a year you are not going to make it you're not going to make it right and so i i do agree you know and that's why like you know one of my athletes was going you know funding availability you know pending funding availability has been going to series a right right and trying to trying to compete in in those level events to get that experience that when i was competing at his level mm-hmm. was not an option for for me right you know i mean the biggest tournament you know and you know my, my route was a little bit different but back in my day back in my day but i the, you know the biggest tournament i competed was the hokkaido prefectural tournament right and the next one after that was the world championships mm. right because the way i got selected for for we did team kato so it was a little bit different but individual you know and that was tough mm. right it's in japan right so the level and being you know a foreigner didn't help probably probably not probably not (laughs) um but i do have a cool photo of when i knocked the guy down ultimately he won but i've got him on the ground a picture (laughs) and rule number one is looking cool that's right rule number one is always looking cool so you know there's that but anyways so i know that's that's kind of the olympics and i'm curious to hear what what everybody's thoughts are 
Um, but if you're if you're if your thought is well, karate, you know, is not a sport. We understand that. And, and if that's just going to be the same same spiel that I see on Facebook, you know, that was that was the other thing that I saw. It was yeah. a lot of those like, oh, karate is a spiritual path and should never be. It's not a sport and. I'd much rather see it as a sport than a spiritual path. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's just me. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. But but anyways, you know. So kind of wrapping it up here. Karate is not going to be in 2028 Olympics. I I find it unlikely for for 32 it, for ever, ever to be ever, ever be again. again. Not uh, yeah, definitely not in our probably not in our life. I don't think. Yeah. Well, at least not in our competitive life. Anyway, I mean, who knows? Something something might change, and you know, may, maybe WKF, WUKF, national level organizations will able to uh, like come together and uh, organize. I think that's something that you know the WKF lacks as well is is good organization. Like Taekwondo is organized. Well. See, that's where, yeah, you're 100%. And, you know, that goes back to, you know, historically speaking, the benefit of that mm-hmm. was when, and there's there's different Taekwondo organizations and branches mm-hmm. and things like of that. Of course. But the World Taekwondo Federation was basically able to standardize. Right. And they took control of all Taekwondo, you know, with the support of the Korean government. Mm -hmm. And they said, this is what our Taekwondo is going to be. Yep. For right or wrong, good or bad, whether you like it or you don't, you know, there's ITF Taekwondo, WTF Taekwondo, there's, you know, all, all kinds of different things. Right or wrong, they were able to standardized taekwondo first in korea and so that as it was taught in the educational system or you know the the local dojos it was all the same Mm -hmm. and that's where there's there's no styles if you were right if you will sorry in taekwondo now there were originally when it was tang sudo and you know the 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 five the original five like kwans Mm -hmm. that started after World War II, before Taekwondo was, before they really started Taekwondo, and then before WTF was founded, and where they standardized it. And then they basically changed all the kata. They recreate. They basically created their own kata, got rid of all the Shotokan-based kata, uh, changed the names. And that's what allowed them, I think, yeah. was that unity to say, look, we the way we do it in the in Korea... The way we do it in the rest of the world mm-hmm. is the same. And if you go to a Taekwondo dojo in Korea or Dojang in, or the United States or wherever, as long as it's, you know, that, that WTF umbrella, umbrella, everything's going to be the same. Right. Karate doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. It never had that. We have styles and, you know, all these different organizations within styles and breakoffs and politics and I want mine to yeah. be best. And then that's just like style. That's not even like talking international governing bodies or right. things like that. Yeah. And I think that your point is is very valid there. And if they until they get rid of that, 
or they're able to more unity at the political level, at the organizational, international organizational level. Yeah. Anyways, any any closing thoughts? Yeah, you know, just I, I still kind of uh, sit with a little bit of conflict with myself as far as the judgment of whether or not it's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but like Michael said, you know, if you if you like that, you know, breathe that sigh of relief. You know, don't watch it and, you know, go go about your business. And uh, if you disagree with the decision made, what are you going to do to to help further promote and develop karate as an Olympic sport that you would like to see or participate in in the future? Yep. You know? Yeah, I agree. Be, be active. Well, the other thing, too, is like, I'll be flat out honest. You want to be in the Olympics? Be in the Olympics. Be in the Olympics. Yeah. Right? Do your best. Um, was it Got Milk? Yeah. Right? Got Milk did has for years has done that. They will recruit athletes to compete in a variety of athlete in a variety of 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 like mostly winter, I think, winter sports. Hmm. But you know, there were there was this did you know, Ariel, Ariel did a Got Milk campaign? Didn't yeah, he? he did a Got Milk campaign. But there was a yeah. there was a there was a there's a program mm -hmm. where they were looking for athletes. I mean, they they just kind of were the sponsors, but it was uh, like right, right, partly right. you know through the Olympic Committee. Like, hey, does anybody want to do bobsled, right? And a lot of track athletes mm -hmm. went, and so there's there's a variety of athletes, predominantly track, who have found winter sports and summer sports hmm. that they're able to compete in, and so like. If you want to go to the Olympics and you want to have that, go to the Olympics. Go to the Olympics. Yeah. Maybe not for karate. Yeah. yeah. Just do it. You know, but don't don't bank your karate career on whether karate will be in the Olympics or not. That's yeah, my feeling. That, uh, agreed, 100%. You know, I, I always like to think for myself that, uh, you know, sport karate and, you know, my dojo karate or traditional karate or however you want to, like, label it, they're, like, two separate entities, right? And if the sport side goes away i'm totally fine yeah but yeah on the other side of that if my dojo karate or traditional side went away i don't think i would be fine yeah no yeah i agree completely so all right any other last words here for our listeners uh, that's that's all i've got all right well as always thank you for tuning in get on our socials smash that like button that subscribe button on our youtube channel way of the fist and we will see you next time see you next time